0: Smelling and sweet
1: Move up the road to the outside of town, and the sound of that good gospel be. Hi,
0: and- welcome to episode three of OG Influencers. This is the podcast that explores your favorite artists, favorite artists, favorite artist. Cece here. And I'm Haley Hart. Here to talk to you about this week's favorite artists. Ooh. Ooh. What a surprise. Yeah.
1: I'm not surprised.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah. It's been a good week. Haley and I are still
1: unemployed. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Just really started off with that. Make my mom proud. Yeah. <laughs> right in the beginning. Thanks, moms. Um, thanks, mom, for letting me live in my room, for letting me eat everything out of your fridge. Honestly, I don't want to get into it.
0: <laughs> Shelly and Amy, if you're listening, thank you for all that you do.
1: I ran out of money and I had to move to my parents' house.
0: It's a good house, though. I mean, thanks, mom and dad. It's their
1: anniversary today.
0: (gasps) Happy anniversary. But I guess when this comes out, it'll have passed. But uh,
1: (laughs) Best wishes wishes. for a long, prosperous life.
0: (laughs) Great. Well, I think, you know.
1: We're drinking Pinot Grigio. We are. Graham is too, though. Yeah, and Graham. Right on. (laughs) White wine really isn't my style, usually. No. I drink reds because I'm hard. (laughs) <laughs> Maggie taught me that. Is that a that? thing? Cece's cousin taught me that. She said, this is dry red. And I was like, I think that makes you much cooler than me. And then I started oh, drinking it. Oh,
0: snap. You know what? My family is a dry red family. Hard. So They're hard people. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, you know, folks, time to talk about our favorite artists. And I think it's Haley's turn to Isn't start. Is that
1: time already? It's that time already. Okay. And Haley's up to bat. Here are my... Favorite artist this week. I went straight back to the roots, baby. When you think of an artist, at least for me, I think of a painter, you know, like a true artist. Ooh, Canvas and brush, baby. Oh, man. I'm excited. We're tracing the influences, but it's not by artist. This is they're all the people I'm going to talk about are expressionists and the forms have expressionists. So. I have one neo-expressionist, one abstract expressionist, and one true expressionist (sighs) from the beginning, baby. Yes. But my first guy, and they're all men. I know last time I was like, I'm going to talk about women forever. We balance each other.
0: I did two women this week.
1: Well, my guys, actually, they're all very cool guys.
0: Great. I'm excited. I was going to say
1: hot, but not all of them are hot, only two.
0: Are they like people we could Google an image of, and it's not like an old self portrait? Like they're we are. Are are they alive? They're all alive.
1: No. Oh, dude. I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. The first artist I'm going to talk about is Jean Michel Basquiat. (gasps) Yeah, he's popular lately. As every hype beast loves to talk about Basquiat. Dude, Macklemore did in one song. Supreme's like, I'm going to collab with him. Ugh. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> but he is a neo-expressionist. He was born December 22nd, 1960 in Brooklyn, New York. He has a Haitian mother and a Puerto Rican father. And I'm going to show you a picture of him. And I want you to rate him because oh. to me, he's like a nine. Yeah. Big time, baby. Definitely. He's mm, very sexy. Yeah. He looks like <laughs> a he,
0: he looks, looks like he could walk straight out of like the co-op and River West and like go off to
1: <laughs> or Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 But, you know, the Milwaukee. Yeah. Version yeah. yeah. bringing it home. You know, <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's he's like a hard artist, you know,
0: doesn't he have work at the Milwaukee Art Museum? Doesn't he have something I've yes. I know I've seen it and it was cool. I think and I don't all, know.
1: Actually, definitely all of these guys I'm going to talk about have work at the Milwaukee Art Museum. <gasps> Yay, that's so cool. Yeah. So wh- folks, when you're done listening to this,
0: you can go see their stuff in person. Yeah.
1: <laughs> His mother instilled the love in, for art in Jean-Michel. I think it's Jean-Michel, right? I'm just going to say Jean.
0: You could just say his last name. Okay, I feel fine. like that's the academic standard.
1: His mother instilled a love for art in Basquiat by taking him to art museums in Manhattan and enrolling him as a junior member of the Brooklyn Museum of Art when he was very young. He was also very gifted. He could read and write by the age of four and all his teachers noticed his artistic abilities in class. Um, by age... Oh, at age 7, he got hit by a car.
0: Oh my god. And he broke his
1: arm and he had all these injuries. His painting arm probably. Um I don't know, I can't confirm. Oh. <laughs> but while in recovery, his mother gave him the Gray's Anatomy book and you can trace the influence and the inspirations in his later works.
0: Wait, what is what is that?
1: Well, let me show you a piece of art and then I'll have you describe it. Oh, okay. Here. <laughs> this is one of his most famous ones. Oh, wow. Okay.
0: It's definitely a person's head, but there are... I'd say skull. A skull? But the eyes are still in it, you know? I guess there aren't any lips, but it, like... It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that as a descriptor for art. So, yeah, there's just so many different colors. I mean, I don't really know how to talk about it's art. kind of frantic. It, it is,
1: yeah. It's fast, but it's not like an impressionist.
0: And the line work isn't like super technical. No. Like there's definitely like, you know, a method to the madness, but it's not like some like still life. Like, you know.
1: Yeah. We're looking at a skull just in the middle of a canvas. That is the main. I don't know. What this called. Well, it's cool. It's probably called a head. I think one of, it's called a head. Sure. I'm going to go with that. I like it. Um, so actually, at the age of seven also, this is when his parents separated. By 11, he was fluent, fluent in French, Spanish, and English. So he's like really... By 11? By 11. Well, Haitian and Puerto Rican descent.
0: So oh. French,
1: Spanish, and then English. Because he was born in Brooklyn. That's so awesome. He went to St. Anne's. Um, Which was an exclusive art oriented private school. And he competed in track. So he was good at sports. He was good at um, school and art. Like he's hitting. He's the
0: full package. I think that goes from nine to 10. Yeah.
1: T. uh, Yeah. 10. He's a 10. At age 13, his mother went to a mental institution. And after that, she spent her life in and out of them. It's pretty sad. And then at 15, he ran away. But within a week, he was returned to his father. So he's really just trying to run away. Dude. I wonder what he did for that week. Like, Oh, he was at parks and stuff on oh. benches. And then they were like, who are you? And why are you so young? Um, at 17, he dropped out of high school, but he went to a different high school in Manhattan where artistic students thrived. Good for him. So a lot of the people who went there did drop out of school. Um, but because he dropped out of high school in the first place, his dad banished him and he stayed with friends and supported himself by selling t-shirts and homemade postcards.
0: That's awesome. I'm just laughing a little bit at your phrase. His banished. Banished.
1: Like, banished. That's from Wikipedia. Yeah, you my need, sources. I my sources like- today are Wikipedia and a book. By Sam Phillips called "Isms: Understanding Modern Art," and I highly recommend this book. I had to buy yes. this for a class, and it is a, the perfect resource for every art movement. Well, not all of them, obviously, but like all the basics, baby. Well,
0: I think I trust that book more than that Wikipedia article because banished. banished <laughs> you need like you need like a kingdom to be able to banish people. Okay, okay. He was kicked dude. out and
1: not allowed back. <laughs> banished. Banished. Okay. Um, his first recognition came from a group he formed with a friend, Al Diaz. Um, they spray painted graffiti under the pseudonym Samo or Samo. But mm-hmm. the project ended when their friendship ended and they painted Samo is dead on the walls of Soho buildings in 1979. So that was short lived. So he was pretty like, popular at the time. He was kind of like a socialite a little bit. He appeared on public access TV and he formed a rock band and they played around the city. Um, He started an independent film and he appeared in a Blondie music video. Ooh, I love Deborah Harry. He was like, yeah, he was just like a fun hipster that everybody wanted to know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But like he didn't know it that he was so cool.
0: Everyone was just like, you're so much fun to be around and you're so talented.
1: Let's be friends. Let me take you to dinner. That's cool. Which is where, in 1980, he met Andy Warhol at a restaurant, and he showed him some of his artwork, and Warhol was stunned by Basquiat's quote, "Mystique and allure." That's that's high praise. I want to fucking. That's about. high praise. I love Andy Warhol. He was the socialite of all socialites in New York City in the 80s.
0: Yeah, wasn't his workspace called like the Loft or something? And I don't people know. would just like. Be I there. just knew
1: Studio 54. He was there. Yeah, Studio All 54.
0: The time. There's a isn't there a documentary that just came out about Studio 54? I can't tell you that. I just know in that song stupid. that goes like <laughs> freak out. It says come on down to
1: 54. That's Studio 54. Yes, in case you guys didn't know. Thank you so much for serenading me. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Um. So in actually 1980 was like a huge year for him. So he meets Andy Warhol and then he was in an exhibit for like young new artists and he was noticed by an Italian gallerist who invited him to have his world first solo show in Modena, Italy. And then it premiered in 1981 and he was published in Artform magazine. So. We see him on the rise, baby. He's not just, like, a fun, popular kid in Brooklyn anymore. Now he's in Italy. So, big time. Um, And at the time, he's doing some, like, found object work. So he wasn't just painting on canvases. He was painting on, like, found objects, you know? Like, mm, abandoned doors or something.
0: I think... I don't know what work is in the Milwaukee Art Museum, but I don't think it's canvas. I think it's something else.
1: Then it's one of his earlier works, like 1981.
0: I might be wrong about that, but I, I remember okay. it. I
1: remember there being interesting texture. Well, yeah, he's got a lot of mixed media in all his work, mm-hmm. whether it's canvas or not. Um, but he worked in Larry Gagosian's, that's not how you say, Gagosian's studio <laughs> space uh, below his home in Venice, California. And they were just making and selling artworks for a while, a couple years. Okay. wrote his art focuses on suggestive dichotomies like wealth versus poverty, integration versus segregation and inner versus outer experience. So that's what he's trying to portray through his content, content or form. Both <laughs> content and form baby. Um, so he's a Neo expressionist and the, Prefix neo implies a reversion to the past with some modification or updating. So there's, for example, there's neo-impressionism and post-impressionism where neo-impressionism is almost exactly like impressionism but like very small. Neo-impressionism is synonymous with pointillism. So they just, they modified it and they made the brushstrokes even smaller. But post-impressionism, like artists like Van Gogh, Is a new, it's, it, what did I say? It moves beyond. So it is outlined. You can see a definite divergence from actual Impressionism. But it's the same here. So this is Neo-Expressionism. Hmm. In his 10-year career, he produced 1,500 drawings, 600 paintings, and many other sculptures and mixed media works. Um... A poet and an artist, he featured words in his art as well. So when you look at a painting like this, you can see the skull, but you can also see written words on top. He's like really doing a lot of mixed media here. So this is not all paint. He's also using okay. felt tip, I think I read, was the media he chose to do drawing in words. Um, he explored themes like words, anatomy, heritage, heroes, and space. When he was living with Larry, because I don't know how to say his last name, um, in Venice, he said this. This is so funny. Everything was going fine. Jean was making paintings. I was selling them, and we were having a lot of fun. But then one day, Jean said, my girlfriend's coming to stay with me. I was a little concerned. One too many eggs can spoil an omelet, you know? So I said, well, what's she like? And he said, her name is Madonna, and she's going to be huge. Oh my Isn't god! Isn't What? So, Basquet was fucking dating Madonna. No way. He had some, he had amazing taste. Her name's Madonna and she's gonna be huge. Yeah. He said, I'll never forget that. So, Madonna came out and stayed for a few months and we all got along like one big happy family.
0: <gasps> that makes me so happy. That's I'm crazy. I'm glad it, it didn't end up being like a, like a Yoko Ono thing where they just oh like god. let yeah. it. I don't want to like, talk about her. Well, just like, you know, I'm glad that it wasn't like, ooh, this girl. And then it was like, oh,
1: yeah, this girl. What's she like? like?
0: Okay, cool. Whatever. Yeah. I'm glad that they were able to get along and not break up the band.
1: Yeah, no, we didn't break it up. But if anything, that just proves what good of taste Basquiat has. He knew he was Madonna before Madonna, you know? Yeah. He
0: was with her before she was big. He knew exactly who
1: she was and what she was going to be.
0: Yeah, he has good taste. So I trust him.
1: So he continued to create his art, and he gained a lot of notoriety and success. (laughs) But he began to use heroin. Um, His friends think it may have been his way of coping with the demands of his fame, the exploitative nature of the art industry, and the pressures of being a black man in the white-dominated art world. And he died in 1988 of a heroin overdose at the age of 27. So he's in the 27 Club? I looked that up, and no. Because the 27 Club is exclusively for music artists. But he um, was in a rock band.
0: I have to tell you, I was this close to doing Amy Winehouse today, so that would have been really weird. It wasn't oh, heroin for her, 27? though. Yeah, it wasn't oh, sure. heroin for her, though. It was alcohol poisoning. Oh.
1: But she did use heroin, too.
0: Isn't that... That's so weird. That uh,
1: Yeah. But now, I mean, right now, it's 2019... And I have been seeing Basquiat's name a lot lately in the fashion world. Um, one of his paintings, I think it was in twenty seventeen, broke the record for the highest pay, the highest amount of money paid at auction for a painting.
0: What do you know? How much? Like it how was many like, millions? it was
1: millions. That's I incredible. Think like, yeah.
0: Isn't that, don't you wish that like he could know that too? I, like, know,
1: I know Travis Scott and Kylie Jenner have a Basquiat in their house because I saw it on Snapchat and I was like, okay, T, I love her more now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's one thing I, if I had a surplus of money, me too, like a hella surplus, yeah. I would be a patron of the arts. Me too. I would buy artwork. I would commission artwork. Big time, baby. It looks cool. You're supporting people. You look cooler for you knowing. Do. You that do. is
1: something. Okay. I only took a couple art classes in college, but people are very impressed when I throw a, a name around, you know? Like like any artist's name or like a like if I see something on the wall, but like, "Oh my god, love that Basquiat." Then people will be like, "What do you mean?" How "Did you know?" And, ooh, "How do you know that was my print? Do you love him or do you love him, you know?"
0: Yeah. No, even now as like you're comfortably talking about like impressionist movements and stuff. They're my faves. Like that's cool to me. I took art history with Mohegan Mm -hmm. in high school, but I don't remember enough of that to be able to talk about it.
1: I thought the impressionists were the coolest because they were like literally a group of friends. But you could say the same thing about the expressionists. And I'll get to that but let me read from this book isms so at the, let's finish out neo expressionism with the definition of neo expressionism um it's the widespread revival of personal expression, expression in visual art from around 1980 which is exactly when basquiat started or began to you know get some notoriety um an international trend rather than a shared aesthetic it was characterized by figurative and gestural paintings they were often imbued is that the word Mm -hmm. (laughs) with allegories, ironies, or a postmodernist sense of self-awareness, which is exactly what Basquiat's doing here. I
0: like him. This was a good one. I hope you like it. (laughs)
1: Okay. So here's the tea. This next artist, you I just saw you stare at my paper, so now you know. No, I
0: don't know. I didn't look. No, I didn't, Haley. Um, I you give me too much credit. I'm like, I can't read upside down.
1: (laughs) Okay, this next artist is my favorite painterly artist of all time.
0: Painterly. He's a painter,
1: Mark Rothko. You don't know him? I don't think I do. Fucking. It's fine. I've you'll know when I show you. I've heard the name. So let's rate him. (laughs) He's a solid four. But his mind, his mind is like a a 12. Wow. Breaks the scale. He's cute. He's like, this picture is old. But his,
0: the Wikipedia article you have pulled up right now says his name is Rothkowitz. Yes. This is an artistic name chop.
1: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I just pulled up a picture of a Rothko. Um, He was born Marcus. Okay, let me do this right. Yakov Rothkowitz on September 15th, 1903, in Russia. He's oh. of Russian Jewish descent, and he's an express, abstract expressionist. Wow, this is really hard for me today. Um, but I was taught that he was a color field painter, which this expressionist term is, I think is just like a, an umbrella term for all the small ones, but mm-hmm. he himself refused to adhere to any art movements. He was above that.
0: Oh, I like <laughs> him.
1: So he's born in Russia, um, he was raised secular and political rather than religious um, because he's from Jewish descent. It was kind of a hard time, mm-hmm. to be, you know, pre-World War II, but it was scary. Yeah. Um, the family was highly educated and they immigrated to Rush, from Russia to the U.S. in 1913 where they arrived at Ellis Island. Um, they went to Portland, Oregon, and his father died a few months later, so they had no economic support. However, he completed high school early with honors and he learned his fourth language of English. So he was also highly intellectual in language.
0: That is definitely a theme we have today. I have at least one of my people have been like stated as having like really high scores on intelligence tests and stuff. I mean, yeah. I think smart people do cool things. I think that's
1: what—that's <laughs> why I'm such a <laughs> fucking failure. No. Okay. Uh, like his father, he was passionate about issues like workers' rights and women's rights to contraception, which is some piping hot tea right now.
0: Yeah. How? So he was born in 1903. So how old is he, he when he's still knew? For that? Well, this
1: was in 1913.
0: Well, yeah. He was 10, <laughs>
1: but he knew. <laughs> no it's more like when he was graduating high school yeah um so in 1922 so it was after he had graduated high school and worked for a few years he got a scholarship to yale um it was not renewed after his freshman year so he worked as a waiter and a delivery boy but he found the yale community to be elitist and racist
0: so get out of there. Good for him. Do you really think he was able to support Yale tuition doing, what did it say? He was a delivery boy and something else. And a waiter. Man, what a time. That must have been. Yeah. What a must time. Must be nice. I'm in debt. I'm in debt too.
1: No, we're just complaining about ourselves. It's all, all about good. us. <laughs> we're our favorite artists. Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. And Mark. <laughs> At the end of his sophomore year, he dropped out and did not return until he was awarded an honorary degree 46 years later how ironic you're just gonna be an elitist asshole until you want me to get your degree you want me to show up at your grad so like do you have to
0: do you have to accept that like an honorary degree because so like some school if he's like i really really don't like interesting that Mm -hmm. that's a thing Uh,
1: isn't that usually how it is though because artists drop out of college and then come back 50 years later to get a degree that they didn't like totally earn, but like.
0: Well, because the, isn't it like the college or the school wants to be able to say, like, oh, they were a graduate here. of this, you know? Well, even though yeah. It's like an honorary so thing?
1: Steve Miller of the Steve Miller Band actually got an honorary degree from UW Madison this year, but he dropped out at like sophomore year to get, you know, Steve Miller Band together.
0: And so Madison was like, we need Steve Miller. Yeah, our so alumnus. we gave him a degree
1: just for nothing.
0: That's so funny. Like, I'm not
1: mad about it.
0: It's weird, though.
1: But they left.
0: It's like they're collecting famous people. Exactly. I mean. But
1: they didn't do it. Fine, fine, fine. It's fine. Like, if someone's going to offer you a degree, you're not going to say no.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't say no. If
1: Yale offered me that, I'd show up. So, back to Mark. Marky Mark. (laughs) While visiting a friend in New York, he saw students sketching a model. And according to Rothko, this was the beginning of his life as an artist. He enrolled at the Parsons New School for Design and began to view art as a tool of emotional and religious expression.
0: What religion um, was he? He was Jewish. Oh, yeah, you yeah. said that.
1: But more than that, he thought his the art was a, a version of religion. Oh. So he wasn't defining it. He was saying this painting is a religion. It's like a spiritual experience. Um, Eventually, he found his final and most popular style which critics call multi-form paintings which is what we're looking at now so will you describe this
0: please sure so right now what i see is a, a a pink square above a red rectangle of a similar width of the square and yeah they're just stacked on top of each other and there's like a tan border around it all
1: yeah, so the canvas is basically halved, and there's two different colors. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's very simplistic. But it, according to Rothko, it's about the experience. Um, so this painting is huge. He made his paintings very large to overwhelm the viewer and allow them to have a certain experience with the paintings. So he says that you should be like 12 inches away from the painting and let the spiritual experience overcome you. Oh, so
0: you can probably get really close mm-hmm. to his work.
1: Well, at the Milwaukee Art Museum, there's a tiny fence around it, but he mm. wants you to be wonder, as close as you can. I was
0: going to say, I wonder what Rothko would think of the fence. He'd be mad. 12 inches,
1: baby. Some critics said that the large size was an attempt to make up for lack of content. Tea. Ooh. But which is not tea. <laughs> they were just trying to start some fucking Art critics, gossip. Yeah. <laughs> To which he replied, I realize that historically the function of painting large pictures is painting something with very grandiose and pompous intentions. The reason I paint them, however, is precisely because I want to be very intimate and human. To paint a small picture is to place yourself outside of your experience, to look upon an experience as a stereotypic view or with a reducing glass. However you paint the larger picture, you're in it. It isn't something you command. So he like is so into this spiritual shit.
0: I like that. I mean, just looking at this, you know, square and rectangle thing, that shade of pink, like if it's as oh, big as it. you say, like I would totally love to bask mm-hmm. in that, you know,
1: this is just one of my faves, but his more popular ones are like deep colors. So like in London, um, I saw one actually the whole Rothko room was like all deep reds and deep purples. They had a whole room of Rothko? Yes, the Rothko room. <laughs> like, I love deep that. red, like, imagine a spoiled jar of salsa. Ooh, you know when you pour it on and you're specific. like, I don't know, this isn't, I'm not going to eat this. That's the color.
0: But without the chunks of pepper and stuff? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Did it. he Does he ever deviate from, like, just, like, the solid colors? Like, does he ever attempt not, patterns? No, or? this
1: was the only style he didn't abandon. So he had other styles in the beginning. He was kind of doing, like, um... Views of New York oh. and, like, mm-hmm. landscapes and stuff. But he, once he found this, then he didn't go back. What did they call it? I never had a name for it, but they called it multi-form paintings. Mm. This is why they call What I, I learned him as a color field painter, so then you can definitely see that. Um. He became successful and financially successful after Fortune magazine named him a good investment.
0: Yay. Good on that magazine. Mm -hmm.
1: So later in his life, he was diagnosed with an aortic aneurysm, but he ignored everything the doctors told him to do. Classic. Um, Then he and his wife separated. And in February 1970, he died by suicide. Uh, But how old was
0: he when that happened?
1: Mm, When was he born? 1970, 1903, and he died in 1970. So 67. He was 66. 66. He wasn't yet yeah. 67, um, but he had 896 paintings. A previously unpublished manuscript, which was edited by his son, was published by Yale University Press in 2004. Um, there are m- multiple movies and plays about his life, and there's a monument in his birthplace in Russia. So he's highly cleaned we love Mark Rothko
0: I'm so sad about his ending yeah it wasn't a good end
1: no but he was very
0: old and to make it to that age you know like I I'm, I'm curious I'm saddened as well
1: well Basquiat died at 27 of an overdose Mark Rothko died at 66 by suicide and unfortunately the next artist also died by suicide so these artists, I I believe that these artists have a, such a, an intense and unique ability to understand life, and that's not always a good thing.
0: No, because with that, you get all of, like, the sadness. Yeah, the good and the bad. And sometimes that, I, I totally buy that that sadness can overwhelm the good, mm-hmm. which is really sad,
1: but... horrible. I guess I man. should read what abstract expressionism is. Yeah. Um... Okay, The term abstract expressionism is applied to American painters who during the 1940s and 50s aim to convey emotion through abstraction. Although it is comprised a diverse range of individual styles, the movement can be divided into those interested in the potential of gesture, like action painters and those who emphasize color, like color field painters, like Mark Rothko. So mm-hmm. along with Mark Rothko, there's artists like Jackson Pollock, and Barnett Newman, so those are some popular dudes yeah. that we know of. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Rothko and Pollock are two of the most recognizable guys in art. If you see a Rothko, then you'll know every time you'll see a Rothko.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I knew the name. I couldn't match it to the artwork, but now that I've seen one, I could see. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could
1: totally be like, "That's Rothko." Yeah, and or and you, you seem know. impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so the last guy, he's an expressionist. He was an early expressionist. He's one of the founders. Um, Ernst Ludwig Kirchner. He was born in 1880 in Bavaria. And he is credited to being one of the founders of expressionism. So there, it was founded by four students. Fritz Bile, Eric Heckel, Ernst Kirchner and Carl Schmidt who declared them in their manifesto (laughs) manifesto. (laughs) douchebags we want to free our lives and limbs from the long established older powers anyone who renders his creative drive directly and genuinely is one of us they believe that the art could express the truth of the human condition but it's not exactly what you expect like when I think of expressionism I think abstract expressionism where it's like crazy it's emotionally driven you're living through the paint but uh, true expressionism it, it, there's still forms yeah oh wait let's rate kirkner because he's hot right yeah he's all right like i mean he's not like he's Rocco. no basquiat yeah <laughs> he's no basquiat he's like a six yeah <laughs> but he looks tall does he look tall? This is a photo of just his it's face, that I think Yeah, it's soft. literally
0: just his face. Sure. Fine. Sure. Fine. fine, fine. <laughs> He's got a nice nose.
1: <laughs> so this is a painting, Cece. Can you describe it?
0: Alrighty. So right now what I am seeing
1: are... And the name of the painting is called Street, Dresden.
0: Street, yes. And I buy it. So it does. It looks like we've got two crowds of people, one walking towards us and one walking away. Um comments on the one walking towards us right now it mm-hmm. appears to be a lot of finely dressed ladies um, but I guess the thing that really stands out to me right now are the color choices mm-hmm. like one woman has like a red skin tone another woman it looks to be green mm-hmm. like the street is pink um, there's a little girl who she looks a little pink she too she's very demony. yeah she does look a little spooky mm-hmm. to me what it reminds me of um, so like the one art person I know to talk about is Toulouse (gasps) Lautrec. Yes, the one, Mm -hmm. the one image. I don't know which one it is, but it's like at at a Moulin Rouge. Yeah, it's like a, but it's it seems almost like a cafe, and there's like this woman, and she's like uplit by like it looks like she's uplit by (gasps) green light. I know exactly. That's how these people like kind of like unnatural and kind of spooky Mm -hmm. is what I'm getting from this.
1: I Henry Toulouse Lautrec is one of my other favorite artists. I do like him very much. Um, I can't find him in here. But yeah, that's part of the, the intrigue is the these colors are opposite on the color wheel. Mm-hmm. So that's what attracts your attention. Yeah. OK. But the forms are taller. They're kind of spooky. They're really they're really curved. Like there are no hard angles. But there are hard lines. Where? Right oh, here. And there's a lot of outlining. It's kind of could almost be. Van Gogh if it were in different colors yeah it does it looks fast there's a lot of movement mm-hmm. but you can tell that it's driven by emotion yeah so back to his life he's born in Bavaria um, although he his parents were encouraging of his artistic endeavors he did want he did complete high school and he studied architecture in Dresden um, he's kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> so um, He met his friends, uh, architect architect students, excuse me, um, and they formed the bridge, and those were the four guys who wrote the manifesto on expressionism. Um, And from then on, he committed himself to his art. So they met initially in his studio, which had previously been a butcher shop, and one of the artists described it as that of a real bohemian, full of paintings lying all over the place, drawing books and artist materials, much more like an artist's romantic lodgings than the home of a well-organized architectural student.
0: <laughs> Man, okay, old butcher shop, though. Like, I really hope it didn't smell. Like, I'm just, like, picturing a smell.
1: <laughs> yeah, but there's also a smell when you go out into a bohemian's apartment.
0: So is that what the true bohemian? It's like, I hope smells? smell so.
1: That's, like, every artist I know.
0: It's just a little smelly.
1: Or who they want to be. That's yeah. tea. Yeah. Um, The whole group was very open is how I would describe it. Mm -hmm. They have a classic artist vibe and they overthrew social conventions. So they allowed casual lovemaking and frequent nudity in the apartment. Amazing. <laughs> well, good on you, bro. <laughs> I mean, whatever. So, their life drawing sessions were with friends and not with professional models.
0: Oh, so like they're like, hey, you know, strip down. I need to draw someone. And they're like, mm-hmm. of course, I was walking around nude anyway. Let but me it's just... more
1: like they're hot girlfriends.
0: Oh, well, is it more male gazey than just like a. I
1: think so. Oh, bummer. Sadly. Um, So on the onset of the First World War, he went, he volunteered for the military service, but he was later discharged after a mental breakdown. But when he came back from war, he was admitted to a sanatorium, which is um, like a mental institution. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was still creating art and doing multiple exhibitions. He did a gallery at Ludwig Shames um, in Frankfurt in 1916, and he sold a lot of works and began to do well financially. So, this was the beginning of it all. And then critics loved it. People started to catch on. They said, I guess I can do with this expressionist shit. Um, and he just did well after that. He had a good life, but he did suffer from his mental illnesses. He was an alcoholic and he was dependent on drugs. Um, so, he went in and out of sanatoriums. Um, and then he died by suicide in 1938. And how old was he during that? He was 58. 58. If my math is correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so again, like, I just feel bad, but I'm happy that they created these arts. So what's the timeline? Who is first? Was It goes Kirkner to Rothko to Basquiat. OK, so it starts with the true expressionist when Kirchner created it with his friends and then it becomes abstract expressionism with Rothko and Pollock, where they're like, we're living through the pain. The pain is our spirit. This is my new religion. And then it goes to Basquiat, who says, actually, like we can do this emotion things, but let's talk about it more socially and, you know, self-consciously.
0: I like it. You can see the legacy, (laughs) the influence. So,
1: like, you can't totally say, like, that Basiat was looking at Rothko's and saying, this is how I'm going to do it. Because none of the paintings really look alike. Mm -hmm. But it's all tied together in the expressionist movement.
0: Yeah, the influence of the movement. Yeah, I see it.
1: Yeah. So, wait, let me... Okay. In general, Mm -hmm. expressionism describes art that privileges the display of emotion. So... There you go. You can see that through all of
0: them. I feel like in uh, the Kirchner, I'm seeing the emotion. Mm -hmm. I feel like in Basquiat and Rothko, I'm like having the emotion like reflected onto me. At least like the Rothko, like I feel like I have like you know you always have to find the meaning in the art. No one usually no one is standing there saying like, well this is how you're supposed to feel with this. Ooh, tea. The that's theme? debatable.
1: Ooh. I'm not one that subscribes to that. I think that the art, the intention is the only thing that matters. I, you can't look at a painting and say, I feel this, so this is what it means. That's totally wrong.
0: But like, what to, if, what? so what do you do then if you go to the Milwaukee Art Museum and there's no one there to tell you their intention? Can you not enjoy the art then because you cannot get it? I don't think that's true.
1: Well, for a Rothko, you should get it according to Mark. You should get it. He says it should be a spiritual experience. He's not looking for you to think, oh, there's two squares and there's two squares here. So that means that I should feel this way. It's more like this is overcoming me and these colors are coming together and I feel a religious way about this painting.
0: Well, and I understand that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm trying to say when I say like the meaning is like reflected onto me. Like there's like I'm not looking at it and I am crying. I'm like looking at all of these different pieces and they are making you know like yes, I don't it's know. It's so
1: hard to say because yeah. you have to know what the artist intended and that's kind of what expressionists did because some of them lied about it so that they could trick everybody yeah. um, which is just a quirky thing that they did like Andy Warhol and he all he I'm gonna friends. fool all the yeah. all these. All the masses they wish they knew. All the but sheeple. when you look at like a romantic piece, you can read it like a book If you see a dog then you think oh it, this is about loyalty mm-hmm. If you see a cat you think this is part of prostitute you know it's like
0: yeah and, but that assumes that everybody and... has
1: an art background so then it's more elitist all right but maybe that's just how I am but I'm not because I don't know anything <laughs> but yeah these are my faves Rothko's my fave but I love Basquiat and I love Kirkner and they're all uniquely um Recognizable,
0: amazing, cool. I enjoy them. That was a long one. I'm sorry. These no, these were like our first like classic artists, like in the very like gut reaction, like art, painting,
1: like. And you can trace them back to the beginning, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can go back. You can go back all the way. We only did three, but in this book, isms, each. Um, category or, you know, movement starts with, oh, this began here and this began here and this began here. So you can trace it all the way back. You can look at timelines online of all the movements and you can see exactly how they're influenced. And, but not only by each other, but by, you know, the social movements, like the wars. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how Rothko, I mean, they had to move to America because of World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirchner was in World War One. Basquiat was during the social movements in Brooklyn. Yeah. So their art had, you know. That's when it was, good art happens.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's so true <laughs> during the turmoil when people need the art, you know.
1: Yeah. It's always responding to something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or commenting on
1: it. They're like, here's my hot take. Then and that doesn't know. Here's my hot take. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you ready to hear my hot take on mm-hmm. the favorite artists of the week? Yes. I hope you know who she is. She's my jam lately. I hope I Can't hope stop you. listening to her. She's coming to Summerfest. Um. I think I know. Do you know?
1: Is it Lizzo? It's freaking Lizzo, yes! baby. Okay. I was at a wedding last night fucking bumping to Lizzo. What'd they listen to? Truth Hurts? It was Truth Hurts. Yeah, that's and the best one. And I was screaming in my friend's face saying, we have to see her at Summerfest.
0: Well, I'm going to be there. so be there, baby. Let's go together.
1: We're going to be drinking together.
0: We'll talk here, about that's it. the tea, guys. On an episode we here. <laughs> we do. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Lizzo now, because she's sincerely total fave. Can't get enough of her right now. Lizzo is an American singer and rapper. She was born on April 27th, 1988. Taurus uh, with the name Melissa Vivienne Jefferson. Okay. Melissa so. to Lizzo,
1: like Lizza Lizzo? I
0: guess. I guess
1: that would I, work. That's what I'm deciding.
0: <laughs> so she was born in Detroit, Michigan, Midwest, A. At okay. age 10, she moved to Houston, Texas with her family. And growing up, she listened to gospel music at home, took flute lessons, and played in her school's marching band. So always kind of a yeah. little musical influence there. And while she was in Houston, she started rapping as a teenager, and she formed a group with her besties called the Cornrow Click, which I think oh is such a God. cute name that for cool. teen rappers. That's where Beyonce's from, Houston. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Houston, Texas, Well, we'll baby. talk about Destiny's Child later. Um, <laughs> and so... Yeah, so after she graduated high school, she studied classical flute performance at the University of Houston.
1: Oh my God. But
0: sad news, her father died when she was 20. And that, like, totally derailed her from that path. So, like, you know, who knows if she would have been, like, you know, she might have been like a flutist, you know, that might have been Lizzo's path. But after this loss, she was devastated and she moved to Minneapolis in 2001. That's how I know her
1: because. Whenever Lizzo comes on, someone in our Wisconsin group goes, you know, she's from Minneapolis. And then we're like, yeah, Midwest. Midwest.
0: Well, it's true, but the true origin is Detroit. Um, But so in Minneapolis, she performed with the electro soul pop duo Lizzo and the Larva Link.
1: Wait a minute. Can I ask a question? She was 21 in 2001.
0: 2011. Oh, 2011. Is when she moved to, oh my god. I might have said 2001.
1: It's okay. I was like, this girl's so much older than I thought. No. No,
0: no, no. only 1988, you know. Yeah. No.
1: She's us. Yeah. Well, not not at all, but also I wish. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so she performed with Lizzo and the Larva. She also formed a three-piece all-female rap and R&B group called The Chalice. So, she was like getting into the Minneapolis music scene and doing her thing and so as she's performing with all this stuff she buckles down and records and releases her debut hip-hop album Lizzo Bangers one word (laughs) released in 2013 and it was like a big
1: success that's awesome in Minneapolis Yeah, I think she's
0: still in Minneapolis at this point. And so then to just talk a little bit about what I love about Lizzo, Lizzo is an advocate for self-love. She has this song called Soulmate, which is pretty much just talking about how like she looks in the mirror and thinks, damn, she's the one and how like she's her own soulmate and like she is always going to like take care of herself no matter what. And she's never going to let anyone bring her down. I love her for that. It's so good. I love her
1: so much because she makes me feel amazing. Oh, she's yeah. a body activist all over. And every time she does an interview, she's giving herself love and like we all need to do that more.
0: Mm-hmm. Focus her music focuses on themes of body positivity, sexuality, race, inclusivity, mm-hmm. like all, all of the, the important things that stuff I'm looking for. Yeah, all of the important <laughs> stuff and like As I read about her, she's never done anything even slightly problematic, which is like great because you really can't say that about anyone at this point.
1: Honestly, like we can all have our opinions about cancel culture. But if you're not doing anything to be canceled, then you don't have to worry about it.
0: Exactly. And she's literally all she is doing, I think, is elevating other people. She's a great she's like an LGBTQ ally. Yes. She, all of her backup dancers, she calls them the big girls. They're all plus size dancers. Um, I love that. So yeah, she's an ally. Can I say this? Yes, you can. Don't call
1: them the big girls if you're not also a big girl. T.
0: (laughs) We said that at the same time. Um, So LGBTQ ally, she said, um, when it comes to sexuality or gender, I personally don't ascribe to just one thing. I can't sit here right now and tell you I'm just one thing. That's why the colors for the LGBTQ plus are a rainbow. Which I
1: was like, oh, cute. My heart is so
0: happy right now. I love her. Because it's June, which is Pride Month. So I'm like, very appropriate. She's a great ally. And like she said herself, she doesn't ascribe to one thing. You just got to let people be who they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, another quote I have from her, she says, I can't wake up one day and not be black. I can't wake up one day and not be a woman. I can't wake up one day and not be fat. Lizzo said, I always had those three things against me in this world. And because I fight for myself, I have to fight for everyone else.
1: Like, how inspiring is that?
0: I know. And literally, that's what, like, she, it's, again, with the self-love. She's like, obviously, I'm fighting for myself because I'm great. And none of these things are a problem. But, like, because I advocate for myself, and now I've got the power, I'm going to advocate for others. Like, yes.
1: That's what a celebrity should be. Lizzo.
0: Yeah, she oh she's great so um freaking outward yeah this was a lot of fun for me to put together so okay so after Lizzo Bangers releases in 2013 she tours the U.S. and U.K. opening for Harmar Superstar and then 2014 2014 was Lizzo's year It was her year so first of all After the release of this album, she was named one of the 14 musicians to watch in 2014 by Time Magazine. So that's good press. Probably because, you know, with all of that, she appears on David Letterman in 2014. Well, I'm still in 2014, so. I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't watch David Letterman, so I don't really. I mean, how Um, old was I in 2014?
1: 16? I wasn't watching either. Yeah. I was asleep.
0: I was asleep in 2014. Um, she was featured alongside her chalice bandmates on the song Boy Trouble and a couple others on Prince and Third Eye Girl's album Plectrum Electrum. So she worked oh with God. the Prince. Well,
1: Prince is from Minneapolis. Yeah. So
0: like, so I'm sure he was like Minnesota talent. Yeah. Come with me. And also, you know, she's just incredible anyway. So I feel like it wouldn't even matter. If she was artist. From-
1: in minneapolis
0: yeah and so okay so now skip forward to 2015 she releases her album second album big girl small world the album landed her a record deal with atlantic records the big girl the big the big one and the big kahuna kahuna, and she appeared as a guest judge on the 10th season of rupaul's drag race which i've heard is the best season i
1: watched that well i mean wait let me look up the winner and then i'll decide it was if it was the best season
0: all right. Great. Um, so then in 2018, she went on tour with Florence and the Machine. And now in 2019, she's going on her own tour called the Because I Love You Tour. Because I Love You is her third album.
1: I'm an idiot. I mean, season 11 just ended. So I should have known that season 10, it is the best season. Great. It's because Lizzo was on it. <laughs> all, hail, all hail Queen Aquaria. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry to see her go.
0: Oh. T. So now. So yeah, she's going on her own Cuz I Love You Tour, uh, this April, she performed at Coachella. Now, like, I think next weekend, well, for us, for now, she's headlining Indie Pride Festival. And apparently, the local, just a little shout out, the Milwaukee musician Lex Allen, I think, is opening for her. That is so Which sad. is pretty great for him. Like, I hope he pulls a Lizzo soon. Me too. But, um, so yeah, she's coming yeah. to Summerfest. And...
1: One of my other favorites at Harley Davidson Roadhouse. stage. We'll be
0: there. We'll be there. Um, Another one of her songs that I really like is Tempo. And it's a collaboration that she did with Missy Elliott, which hit number 21 on the U.S. Digital Song Sales chart. I don't know if that is her highest selling song or not, but it's a perfect segue into my next
1: person, who is... Missy Elliott. Oh my God, this girl's such a badass.
0: We love Missy Elliott. Okay, I'm just gonna keep going. Missy Elliott, American rapper, singer, songwriter, dancer, and record producer. She was born as Melissa Arnett Elliott on July 1st, 1971, at Portsmouth Naval Hospital in Virginia. She is the only child of Mother Patricia Elliott, a power company dispatcher, Ooh. and her father, Ronnie. A former U.S. Marine who worked as a shipyard welder. So,
1: wow, humble beginnings.
0: Yes, and similar. So Lizzo listened to like gospel music. Missy grew up in an active church choir family. Mm-hmm. At the age of the, at the age of four, she's singing and she would perform for her family. Oh hey, hey, we're gonna just we break a little bit. We in. got some friends coming into the studio. We'll we'll resume shortly when the hubbub Pause. has died down. Pause. Yeah. Okay, so Missy Elliott grew up in an active church choir family. And at the age of four, she started performing like little choir concerts for her family. And uh, when her father was in active duty in the Marines, the family lived in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And while there in North Carolina, Missy Elliott like blossomed. She was doing incredibly well in school, I believe.
1: How old is she? Ooh.
0: I don't have dates. Oh, but before the end of high school? She's in elementary school, oh, I think, okay. during here. Um, I think she's in elementary school. She's, she moved two grades ahead. What? So now she's, like, advanced, advanced. Genius. And she got really high scores on intelligence tests. So just, IQs. like, a smart kid, she gets it. Good at this school she's thing. She's in Mensa. Honestly, probably could have been, but... She felt really lonely being ahead of all of her friends.
1: She's so much smarter than everybody else. Probably,
0: but also... I can't relate. Like, all of her friends are two grades below, so she purposefully failed so that she could be back in class with her friends. That is a maneuver. You know, gotta do what you gotta (laughs) do. Um, But when her father... So, when her father returned from the Marines, they moved back to Virginia, where they lived in extreme poverty. And in Virginia, she experienced domestic abuse at the hands of her father. She did not want to go to her friend's houses for sleepovers in fear that the next morning she would come back and her mother would be gone.
1: Jesus Christ, like go back to the Marines, motherfucker. Exactly. We don't want you.
0: And I think she was molested by a cousin. And the domestic abuse at home just kind of escalated. Um, until Elliot's mother's shoulder was dislocated by her father and Missy was threatened by a gun.
1: Well, we all... Well, we don't all know, but we should know that it's hard to leave a situation like that. It is. Never blame Missy or her mother.
0: Absolutely not. But her mother, that was like the last straw and her mother got the courage and did the whole thing of like oh yeah like husband we're just gonna go for mm-hmm. a joyride on the bus That's and we'll be is. back later and she takes missy and she runs and she seeks refuge at a family member's home they have a couple of possessions and they kind of just start new they're still in virginia though and missy has said that like for a while she was very fearful that mm-hmm. her father would find well them.
1: it's like um, the average is like seven times before you can actually leave the person because it's such a controlling relationship. And that's probably why they had to leave all of a sudden. Because yeah. if there were any planning, any plans, then he would have known and he would have been able to find them.
0: Yeah. So she does continue to live in Virginia. She graduates from high school, Woodrow Wilson High School, in 1990. Um, but before, I guess before she graduated high school then, because this is in 1989, she formed an all-female r&b group called phase um <laughs> with her neighborhood friends and she cool. recruits her neighborhood bestie timothy mosley Timbaland, yo <laughs> to be their producer so that all started as like a neighborhood thing like oh we're we're like this girl group but we've got like timothy mosley over here helping us produce and That's so cool yeah so Faze does their thing they like write their music and they perform and Faze caught the attention of and i'm gonna say this wrong it's j-o-d-e-c-i Dessi, i think
1: yes um, that sounds exactly correct
0: so Faze caught the attention of jodessi member and producer devante swing by performing Joe songs a cappella backstage after one of his shows. So, you know, they're just they're like this girl they're R&B hustling, group. Yeah. yeah, they're like, Oh, we learned your song, sing it, catches attention. FaZe then moves to New York City and signs to Electra Records, where then Electra Records was like, You gotta rename yourself your <laughs> Sista now. Ooh, so Sister James Charles Who? <laughs> so uh Sista is there and they kind of hang out, so they were called the Swing Mob. So Devante Swing in this Joe Desi group, his brother is also in it as well. And they kind of, they kind of do that thing that like Logan Paul does, where he gets like all his YouTubers <laughs> to live. Oh, with Team him. Ten. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. a Team I Ten. Know exactly what you're talking about. It's like that. We're all ashamed of it.
0: Yeah, all of these like <laughs> like-minded artists like live in the same house and they just like collaborate and create. It's kind of um like the impressionists yeah it's it literally. is except for i don't think there's that much nudity but also you know yeah. they didn't talk about it so we don't know oh
1: that, that was the expressionists
0: oh Man. mr Kirchner,
1: mr Kirchner, yeah. yeah
0: um but so now that they're in new york city um she brings timbaland with her and i think sista kind of fades out mm-hmm. a little bit but missy elliott like again she's a smart girl she just like gets to work, and so she starts writing and doing like featured raps for other artists. She wrote Raven Simone's debut single.
1: Was it the? Um, <laughs>
0: I don't know what song <laughs> it was. Gonna... It was a while ago though. It was I was what was the
1: uh, Disney show she was in?
0: That's so Raven.
1: That's So Raven. Was it I think it was the before theme song
0: that? I yeah. know it was. It wasn't that song, um, <laughs> but she Sorry wrote her debut. Um, then eventually, so the swing mob house dispersed, but Elliot and Timbaland remained tight and they just worked together as a songwriting production team. They crafted tracks for SWV 702 and Aaliyah, the young artist who got caught up with um, yeah. R. Kelly. So they did, they really, really worked closely with Aaliyah. They wrote her song One in a Million, which went double platinum.
1: And so they're oh. like famous, famous now.
0: Well, yeah, they're doing they're doing good work, and they're getting like recognized on the charts for it.
1: it. Well, as from like the background, like they're doing the writing, or is Missy like releasing her own music?
0: They're doing they're doing the writing. Missy isn't releasing like her own music mm-hmm. per se, but she's also rapping on different tracks. So oh, some of the yeah. tracks that she Featuring, writes, yeah, like yeah. she would be like the she's like the ludicrous at this or point, the you know, Nicki Minaj before sure. she was Nicki. Yeah, yeah, um, but. So, yeah, she writes one in a million for Aaliyah. And then eventually her debut album, Missy's debut album, Super Dupa Fly, was released uh, mid-1997. And Good
1: pronunciation. Super Dupa Fly.
0: <laughs> and uh, the lead single, The Rain, went platinum. And her, a lot of her success, like obviously she's a talented writer and producer, but also for her solo album, a lot of her success was due to these really unique music videos that she okay. made for her singles um she got harold hype williams to direct them i love his nickname yeah hype made many groundbreaking hip-hop Afrofuturist videos at the time and her album super duper fly was nominated for best rap album at the 1998 grammy awards but she lost to puff daddy
1: so <laughs> because he's a boy he's a, yeah. well he's a man but i'm gonna call him my boy
0: <laughs> so yeah um then just to talk about her legacy a little. She led female hip hop album sales during the late 1990s whether she's writing all of these hits or she's like featured on them. Um so the late 1990s and the early 2000s and as a collective sold over 7 million copies of Holy shit. like her work. And I think that includes her being featured and stuff mm-hmm. but also like the behind the scenes stuff.
1: That totally is a badass. She's running
0: running the game. T and her themes of her music include feminism, body positivity, sex positivity, which, you
1: know, direct
0: mm-hmm. correlation now to Lizzo. Yeah,
1: sounds like Lizzo.
0: Yeah, and they collabed on the song
1: Tempo. So <laughs> Wasn't Missy Elliott at the Super Bowl a couple years ago? She was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Destiny's Child credits Missy Elliott for clearing a path in the American music industry um, towards their own pop preeminence that's what they Thank say you,
1: missy for yes. beyonce
0: yes right she's responsible for so much and she changed the rap game for women she refused mm-hmm. to be pigeonholed to like one kind of thing like you look at her music videos and like there's nothing wrong with dressing as provocatively as you want in a video mm-hmm. but missy definitely doesn't let herself like she doesn't have to dress that way. Not saying that other women have to, but like she, while everyone around her is wearing like really short shorts and stuff, like she's
1: wearing a track suit and she is
0: getting everyone's attention. <laughs> you know, who's doing
1: that right now is Billie Eilish. She oh, was yeah. quoted saying, well, it, it, for a different reason, I think, but she's wearing all these crazy, huge outfits, like mm-hmm. huge as in like not her size. Yeah. And she's saying yeah, for the same reason, and she's saying, well, if no one knows what's underneath, then, like, they don't get to judge me for it. They get to see exactly who I am and not I'm not defined by my clothing.
0: Yeah. I just... And it's, it's more interesting to me because it's different. Like, I feel like, at yeah. least now, I'm seeing a lot different clothing. Um, so, yeah, she refused to be pigeonholed. And she was the first female rapper inducted to the Songwriters Hall of Fame in this year, 2019. And... <laughs> She received an honorary Doctorate of Music degree from Berkeley College of Music. <laughs> Did she go to Berkeley ever? Not that I could see. You know what? So just more take these, it. Take these honorary degrees. People <laughs> want it to once, give I'll say it you. again. <laughs> yeah, they just want to give it to you. All right, so last guy, I really it in with him, um, but it's because Missy Elliott was so iconic. I feel bad giving her influence to like really anyone cuz okay. she she paved the way she uh-huh. paved the way so and
1: crediting a man for that yeah. is kind of
0: so this guy i'm just throwing him a bone okay. he was part of it's Devante, it's Devante Swing. He's okay. the guy who noticed her in phase and okay, was like, okay, okay. you guys are great. Like, come to New York. So, like, so I think great she, taste. he's got great taste. That's what we're giving him. And honestly, <laughs> I think she would have made it anyway. Yeah. But, like, you know, this guy made it probably happen sooner. You know, I don't know. So we'll give him a bone. We'll throw him in there. But Missy Elliott is a pioneer. Thank in her God
1: own. OG influencers is throwing this guy a bone.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> no one would know. OK, so Devante Swing. Uh, Born Donald Earl the Great, Jr. Uh, Born on September 29th, 1969. Wait, is he a Libra? Almost. I don't know. You can look that up. Um, But he's better known by his name, Devante Swing. And he is an American record producer, singer, rapper, and songwriter. And he became... He is. He is. He's Libra.
1: I like him more now.
0: Okay. He became known in the 1990s as the founding member of the R&B group Joe Desi. I really hope I'm saying that right, because I've said it many times. Um, A popular R&B act at the time. And for that group, he served as the main songwriter, producer, and leader. And also in that group was his younger brother, Dalvin. And he okay, so yeah, then he's also he's credited for discovering Timbaland, Missy Elliott, which like discovering is like, you know, he's just the first one who saw them. Okay, he's just the first one. And he also acted as a video director for a lot of these groups. And yeah, he also mentored Flo Rida in the early stages of Flo Rida's career. Thank God for that. Yeah, I don't know much about Devante Swing's upbringing. Um, but at the time, oh, yeah.
1: he doesn't have a very prosperous Wikipedia. Yeah,
0: that's part of why there's <laughs> no, we're we're phoning it in because Wikipedia phoned it in. You know, we just we follow what Wikipedia says. But um, at the time in the '90s, Joe, Des- Joe Desi Joe were dubbed the bad boys of R&B. And I read an insane story: this guy Devante was robbed. In, like, the most horrifying way. The, oh, the murderino no. in me has to talk about it. Because, Please. So, his younger brother, Dalvin, is having a birthday party. And all the other members... Is of, it
1: Dalvin's birthday? Yeah. Oh.
0: Dalvin's birthday, having a birthday party. <laughs> all the members of Jodesi are there, except for Devante. And they're like, where's Devante? Devante loves the party. Devante never misses a party. RT. Where is he? Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is so uncharacteristic of him. We gotta go to Devante's house and see what's up they go to Devontae's house they
1: leave a birthday party because they're worried about their friends the
0: thing is i don't know what time like maybe the party's over maybe it's the middle anyway they (laughs) leave 8 30 a.m they leave they go to Devontae's house his entire home is completely trashed and he is tied up (gasps) in the middle of his home and his like head is like bleeding very severely and he was robbed like people came in and oh robbed him and tied him up and he fought so hard for his life like there was this is so gross cover your ears if you don't like gross things there was a severed finger <gasps> on the ground where his he no he oh, bit God. off the finger of one of his attackers Fucking like they Mike just Tyson they just shit. left him they just left him there after oh they
1: yes so well, did they use the finger to find out who the robbers were
0: apparently they were cousins. There were two of them and they were cousins. Well, One I, cousin saw them. one cousin killed the other cousin <laughs> and then the cousin that's still alive is in jail. So
1: Wait, one of someone died?
0: So, yes. So the robbers who robbed him, they were cousins. So there were two of them and apparently one cousin killed the other cousin, probably cuz oh, they wanted all of the robber's loot.
1: Yeah. Oh my that god. That whole
0: thing where you're like if there's one less robber, there's one less share. So why
1: didn't they kill him?
0: I don't know why. But he survived. I think he fought. I th- I'm sure he probably scared them to bite someone's finger off. That okay, Sorry. Well, here's
1: tea. I heard that it's as easy to bite off a finger as it is to bite a carrot. Yeah. But, but like, you'll what never what do mental, to yourself.
0: What mental space do you have to be in to be able to just do that? Well, hungry for carrots. Oh, man. One. It, ain't that the truth? <laughs> so there you go. We have Devante Swing. I'm sorry. I don't know more about you, Devante Swing. Wikipedia let both of us down today. You know
1: what? I don't care to know more. He has an interesting story and he's a Libra. And that's
0: That really is all you need to know. Missy Elliott shines. Lizzo shines. Devante yeah. shines.
1: I'm worried about Missy and Lizzo. Yeah. and Melissa. Yeah. Cece, well, we are going to be at Lizzo. and We're going to be fucking having the time of our lives, dude.
0: It's going to be great.
1: That's going to wrap up today's episode of OG and Lizzo. Cece handed me the piece of paper, and I was like, oh, is there no banter? Uh, but then she, I was going to do banter, and then she pointed to the line, and I said, okay, we're
0: doing it. I've just totally <laughs> shut Haley down in all aspects of banter. We I, might I really fucking this. deserved it, dude. <laughs> I love bantering with Haley. I'm just I'm not smooth,
1: apparently. <laughs> that was funny. Okay. We're still going to wrap up today's episode of OG Influencers. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast comes out every two weeks. So make sure you listen, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I don't care if you're listening on Spotify. This is a warning to you and your family. If you don't rate and review the Apple Podcasts, I'm, I'm not going to do anything, but just please. <laughs> I turned into I turned from like a scary person to like someone who's begging. <laughs> <sighs> um, if you'd like to check out other podcasts on the Zima Podcasting Network, please do that. Also on Spotify and iTunes. Soon to be on a new. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out. All right. And as a, note, as a final note, as a final note. Should I do it again?
0: Do the, Just do the Sorry. bit so he can cut it. You were mid-sentence when <laughs> I did that. T.
1: Plus, if you'd like to check out other podcasts on the Zima Podcasting Network, please subscribe to those. They're all extremely cool. And as a final note, who's your favorite artist? Let us know on the podcast Facebook page, OG Influencers, or hit us up on our Gmail because we're very attuned business ladies and we have an email. T. T. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.